This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. And I certainly appreciate those of you that are watching today. We trust that you'll continue to watch for the next few minutes as we discuss this question, Did Christ Die in Vain? I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now, for the benefit of those who are watching for the first time, I'd like to make mention of the fact that on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and we want to make it available to you today to anyone watching today, and in order that you might know a little bit more about the course and know how to receive it, let's pause just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll free 1877-711-5214 I'm reading now from the second chapter of Galatians verse 21 I do not set aside the grace of God For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. To die is sad. Uh, Acts 8 and verse 2 tells us that when Stephen died, the the brethren made great lamentation over him. I, I don't know that there's anything pleasant about death. It's always a very sad time. And yet when a Christian dies, it's sad for those left behind, but it is a glorious thing for the one who's gone to be with the Lord. But for a person to die in vain is very tragic. For example, just try to picture in your mind a family that's on uh, an afternoon drive. They, They just wanted to get away for a little while and get out and They wanted to look at the beautiful countryside and take in God's creation and enjoy time being together as a family. And out of nowhere, there comes a man around the bend in the road and he's on the wrong side of the road and he runs into them head on. And that family is killed by that drunken driver. Oh, what a tragic thing. But it was so useless. It was so needless. It was so unnecessary that that family died. Over 1,900 years ago, the Son of God died. Uh, He died in fulfillment of many prophecies and predictions, one of those being in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24. Seventy weeks shall be determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to make an end of sin and to finish the transgression, to bring in everlasting righteousness, 
to make reconciliation for iniquity, to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. That there's only one person that that prophecy could be describing, and that's the Son of God, who died to make an end of sin, to finish the transgression, who died that men might be made righteous, who died that men might be reconciled, who died that prophecy and prediction might be fulfilled, who died as the anointed one of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of all mankind. As Isaiah predicted that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. In Isaiah chapter 53, in Galatians chapter 1 and 4, Paul said, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Jesus died. He died according to the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3. But let me ask you a question. Was the death of Jesus in vain? Now notice in our text, Paul said, if righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. Did Jesus die in vain? Did he die a needless death, a useless death? Well, the fact is, if certain conditions exist, if certain teachings are correct, then Jesus died in vain. For example, if the if the law given by Moses is still a valid law binding on people today, Christ died in vain. And there, there are many people that insist that, that we are still under that law. Uh, in Galatians, the fourth chapter and verse 21, Paul said, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you hear the law? In other words, are you abiding by the law? And there are those, there are those even today who insist that we are still under the law or at least portions of that law. But the fact is that law was annulled almost 2,000 years ago. Let, let me read that to you from the Bible. From the book of Colossians, the second chapter of Colossians and verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You see, the law was annulled by Jesus' death. Over in the book of Hebrews, in the 8th chapter of Hebrews, the writer is quoting from uh, the book of Jeremiah, chapter uh, 31. And in Hebrews chapter 8, beginning in verse number 6, he begins to talk about what had been predicted by Jeremiah and the prophecy that had been made about the annulling of this law. Now, verse 6 beginning reads like this, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, 
which was established on better promises. So Christ obtained a more excellent ministry. He is mediator of a better covenant that was established on better promises. Now verse 7, For if that first covenant, he's talking about the law of Moses, had been faultless, without fault, then no place should have been, would have been sought for a second. Now the second is the law of Christ. And if the first law had been a perfect law, then there would not have been need for a second one. Now verse 8, because finding fault with them, that is the first, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. And then he said, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, for the least of them to the greatest. For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now listen to verse 13 very carefully, please. In that he says, A new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Well, what was the obsolete law? Well, it was the one that was in contrast with the new one. What was the new one? The new one was the law given by Christ. It was the one that Jesus gave when he died on the cross, Hebrews 9, 15 to 17. But what was the obsolete law? It was the law of Moses. Now, Jesus Christ came to fulfill this law. That is the law of Moses. This is taught in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Jesus said, think not that I'm come to destroy the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And Jesus fulfilled the law in that Jesus lived by the law as no one else had ever been able to do. He lived by it perfectly. And he lived by the law in that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies and the predictions that had been made in the law concerning himself. He came to redeem those that were under that first covenant. In Galatians 4 and 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And so he came to redeem those who were under that law. It was, and that law, according to the Apostle Paul, was a tutor to bring men to Christ. Listen to Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that, after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. Well, what was the tutor? The old law, that is the law of Moses. 
How long was the law of Moses to last? How long was they, we to be under that tutor? Unto, it, it was to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Well, if you look in Romans 5 and verse 1, we know that we are now justified by faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Inasmuch as people now are justified by an obedient faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and inasmuch as the law was to last until that point in time that Jesus would come, Jesus would live, Jesus would die, Jesus would be raised, and that men would be justified by their faith in Him, then that law would cease, then logically you and I are not living under that law. But my friend, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. That's exactly what Paul has said in Galatians 2.21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Jesus came to do away with that old law. We're not living under that law. Someone says, you don't believe all the Bible, Brother Lambert. If you don't believe the Old Testament, I believe every word of the Old Testament is true. It is true. It's God's Word. It's inspired of God. It's not a question of believing it. It's a question of the law to which we are amenable. We're not amenable to the law that was given to the Jews and to the Jews only. And that law that was given to the Jews and to the Jews alone lasted until the cross of Jesus Christ when He annulled that law and He gave us a new law. And it is no longer binding upon men today. And to go to the Old Testament to find our responsibility and our duty in the Christian age is a mistake. Someone says, you think there's profit in studying the Old Testament? I don't think so. I know there is. In Romans the 15th chapter and verse 4, the Bible says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through comfort and patience of the Scriptures might have hope. Now those things written aforetime was the Old Testament law, the law given by Moses. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul told the young boy Timothy, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been, sure, hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, that would have been the Old Testament, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You see, it's by studying the Old Testament that we learn from the prophecies and the predictions that Jesus Christ was coming to the world. And when we come to the New Testament, the story is He's come and He's coming back someday. Yes, indeed, there's profit in studying the Old Testament. There's profit in studying the, the uh, first five books of the Bible written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There's profit in studying the, the poetical books of the Bible and the historical books of the Bible. Yes, there's profit in studying the Bible. And you cannot fully understand the New Testament until you have a good understanding of the Old Testament. You need to understand both Testaments. And you need to understand that we live under the New and not under the Old. Now, if religious division is acceptable to God, 
And friends, Jesus died in vain. Some people claim that division is a good thing and actually thank God for it. But Jesus did not die to divide. Jesus died to unite. It was Jesus' prayer that his disciples would be united. Listen to John 17, verses 20 and 21. Neither pray I for these alone, but but for them also which shall believe on me through thy word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus prayed for unity of believers. Why? That the world might believe. I am persuaded that one of the greatest reasons, perhaps not the only reason, but one of the great reasons for infidelity in our world is the divided religious condition that exists in our world today. Many people see all of the confusion and all of the different religious organizations and groups that have different names, teaching different doctrines, contradictory doctrines one to another. And many people just throw up their hands if say, well, what's the use in trying to understand? There's so much confusion. Jesus did not die for confusion. Jesus died for unity, that all men might be united in one body. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body. He died to reconcile men in one body. Jesus died to unite men. And there are certain truths that concerning Bible unity that we need to consider. Let us consider, for example, what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, there's something you have to understand about the Corinthian church. They were divided. They, they, they were divided uh, over a number of different issues, but one of them was their, the preacher that they liked best of all. According to verse 12, some were saying, I am of Paul, that is, Paul's my man. Another would say, I'm of Apollos. And they would say, well, you know, Apollos is the man I like. And some would say, well, I'm of Cephas or Peter. And they'd say, that's the man I like. And some were saying, I'm of Christ. And then Paul asked the question, is Christ divided? And that's a, that's a question that answers itself. No, Christ is not to be divided. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And so Paul is saying that there ought not to be division among God's people. Now listen to verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. You see, God's people ought to be divided, uh, not divided people, but united people. And if, if it's right, if it's right to be divided, then the purpose of Jesus dying has been perverted. Jesus died on the cross that men be united in one body, Ephesians 2.16. And so if religious division is, is acceptable with God, well, then, well Jesus died for, an, for a reason other than what God intended, didn't he? But God wants us to be united. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion, 
but but of peace. But then again, if there's not a future life, if there's no future resurrection, friends, Jesus died in vain. Now, there have always been people who have denied the resurrection. Oh, some man will say, how are the dead raised up? With what body do they come? You see, 1 Corinthians 15. There have always been people like that. The Sadducees did not believe in a future life. They did not believe in, in the angels, and they did not believe in a, in a future resurrection from the dead. But Jesus Christ died to guarantee us of a future resurrection. Paul in Colossians 1.18 says, He is the firstfruits of them that sleep. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, in fact, the, the ground of our hope. Let, listen to the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 15. There, the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is all about the future resurrection. And I want you to listen to a few things that Paul says about the future resurrection in chapter 15. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we're found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Listen to verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's because of Jesus that we have a lively hope of the future. But if there's no future resurrection, Paul said Jesus died in vain. Jesus and His resurrection and the future with Christ is the source of our comfort. People need to be comforted in every age, and in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, beginning in the 13th verse, Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even also them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent those which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend with heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And so Jesus Christ gives us hope and comfort that there's going to be a future life. But if there is no such thing as a future resurrection, well, Jesus Christ went to the cross for nothing but because He lived, because He died, because He was raised from the dead by the power of God, you and I can have hope of the future. But finally, if I'm lost, Christ died in vain. Now, somebody says, what do you mean, Brother Lambert, to be lost? Well, to be lost is to be separated from God. 
To be lost eternally is to be separated from God eternally. And some will be lost. In Matthew 25 and 41, Jesus said, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Some will be lost. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, Christ said, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So if I'm lost, Christ will die in vain. Well, why would that be the case? Because Jesus died that I might not be lost. He died to save me. Luke 19 and 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to be the Savior of mankind. In John 12 and 32, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And when Jesus died upon that cross of Calvary, men could be saved from their sins and saved from God's wrath. Romans 5, verses 8 and 9 read, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, being much more than justified by His blood. We are saved from wrath through Him. We're saved from the wrath of God. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, when did He shed His blood? When He died. But if I lose my soul then Jesus' death was in vain so far as I'm concerned. You see, His death will only benefit me if I accept the benefits of His death through obedience to His will. Jesus did not die in vain unless we make it so. By accepting doctrines that are not taught in the Bible and by rejecting the gospel that he has given to us. I'd encourage you to accept the fact that Jesus lived and died and was raised from the dead. And I would encourage you to die to your sins, Romans 6 and 2. To be buried with your Lord in the waters of baptism, Romans 6 verses 3 and 4. And then you can be raised to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6 and 4. And, and I would encourage you to do that today, you'll become a new creature in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Would you not do that today? Become a New Testament Christian and the Lord will add you to His church family, Acts 2, 47. I want to thank you for watching today and may I pause long enough to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community and I want to encourage you right now to pick up the telephone. Without hesitation, call now for that free Bible correspondence course. The call is free. The lesson is free. Don't hesitate, but call right now. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.